at the tone, three hours, zero minutes, Greenwich Mean Time. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. <laughs> because the last time I saw him, he was out in the woods chopping logs. Thanks a bunch for giving this episode of Inside the Spud Goodman Show podcast. I believe the ep- it's episode number nine. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you giving a listen as we're going to take another look at uh, the one that's titled Jerry is a Punk Rocker. Uh, God knows you have much better things to do right now, so we really appreciate you making time for us. This particular episode features actor, comedian Colin Quinn and actress and comedian Vanessa Bayer, obviously both now alumni of Saturday Night Live. Also on this one is musical guest 13 Scars, a personal favorite of my Uncle Steve's comfort companion, or as some call it, a ventriloquist dummy. Uh, his name is Jerry. And no, my uncle is not a ventriloquist. It's a long story, and I, I think on this episode you're going to get some of the backstory if you're interested. If not, then there's also a lot of other stuff that will keep you tuned in, or, or at least I hope so. With me is our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, give us a good chuckle, if you would. Ah, uh, here you go. <laughs> well, I'll stand behind that chuckle. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, okay, well, Fine. Um, now I'm supposed to bring on our temporary co-host, Gerald Holcomb. All right, you're up. Uh, please don't drive away the listeners by saying something stupid. Oh, no need to worry about that, Spud. I took the time last night to write up a little opening that I could use right now. Uh, my wife, Rachel, felt it was very moving, and our listeners might be inspired by it. So, here I go. Do you often feel like others tend to ignore the things... Hey, 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 do I sense a Dr. Phil-like monologue coming on here? It sure sounds like some hokey self-improvement lecture. I don't think our listeners have the time to do a mental makeover, you know? I mean, you may have the best intentions here, but I just can't let you take this show down that road. Uh, save it for another day. Like what day? Uh, let me know, and I'll put it down on my calendar. And like I said, my wife Rachel felt... What I have to say moved her. And well, good I- to know you guys, uh, you know, move each other, okay? Right now, I need to bring on our intern, Chance. Some say he was the most popular person on our old radio show, and I say people can be wrong at times, so who knows what's the truth? Anyway, here's Chance. Oh, I know I was the most popular person on our old radio show, and for sure I'm the most popular person on this little podcast. I get five times the emails you do from our listeners, but I know because my lovely soon-to-be wife, Dorothy, has told me you almost never get any emails, even spam. It must be sad to be ignored by others. I get emails, plenty of them. (laughs) The deal is, most do go to spam, so I guess, you know, they would not be classified as legit uh, emails. You want to check my spam section on my email account right now? Well, not really. Can we get this thing started as I have stuff to do afterwards? Dorothy's taking me to Dairy Queen for onion rings. I usually get like three or four orders of them. It makes for a nice snack. Whatever. Well, as I said earlier, this episode we will be revisiting was titled Jerry is a Punk Rocker. Uh, So my Uncle Steve's dummy was actually able to force us to book a band that he wanted on the show. I I guess he met them 
uh, somewhere in his neighborhood or something, and now he's trying to be their Colonel Parker or something. Yeah, anyway. Uh, someone went over my head. I don't know who that person was. I kind of have a good idea. Uh, but now I'm just going to say, I'm going to say I, maybe I was wrong in some respects because I, I have to say this band was pretty good. You know, I was very surprised after hearing them. Uh, but instead of me giving you all the basics, let's just roll the opening segment. Dave, hit play. Well, I doubt it. I should also acknowledge the presence of my Uncle Steve, who is uh, with me in the studio. Say hi. Okay. Hi, everyone. All right. I I know you have your little buddy on your lap, as always. Spud's Uncle Steve, although not a ventriloquist himself, is never without his companion, the ventriloquial figure Jerry. Steve rescued Jerry from an antique store many years ago. But can you just dispense with bringing him into the activities tonight? Let's just keep the discussion limited to you, me, and Gerald here, all right? No need to pretend the dummy's involved in the conversation. Well, that will be impossible, as Jerry is the only reason we are here tonight. Uh, You know, Spud, ventriloquists are very popular still these days. Uh, Haven't you watched America's Got Talent the last few years? They always have a ventriloquist or two each season. And, uh, you know, don't forget Jeff Dunham. He sells out everywhere he goes. I really resent this ventriloquist label, and I'm very tired of hearing that when people refer to Jerry. He is his own person, and believe me, I have no Machiavellian power over him. I will let him speak for himself. Go ahead, Jerry. Can we just get to the reason why we're here tonight? I am pumped up about this, and we are wasting time here. Can I bring the band on now? It's not time to bring the band on, Jerry. Just wait. Until they say, and then you can bring on your friends. You know, I used to control everything on this show, down to the last little detail, and now it seems like I'm just a hired hand. Nothing against our musical guest tonight, but it would have been nice if someone would have ran it by me. Uh, Spud, I heard them in the sound check, and they sounded quite catchy. A little bit loud, but you know, every band you have on is a little loud for me. So Uncle Steve, the band is, you know, they're outside right now, and they're having a smoke, I guess, and I think that's what they're doing out there. So can you tell me the truth? Are these guys relatives or something? No, no. Jerry just sort of struck up a friendship with the guitar player. He lives down the block from us. One night last month, they left the garage door open while they were practicing, and Jerry made me take him over to listen to them. I must say, they are really friendly. They they even invited us to play the maracas when they were jamming. We had a great time. Well, that's a nice story, but there is there is a rule on this show that we don't book bands that are our personal friends. It's a conflict of interest. I mean, there might even be some FCC regulation out there on this, too. I, I don't know that for sure. Well, you know, their name is 13 Scars. That's pretty darn scary. I, I know that. This was handled by your executive producer and Jerry here, so don't even bring me into this. I guess they are pretty popular, and Jerry convinced her that they could really help with the ratings tonight. So she told him that was all she was concerned with. Yeah, yeah, with. I, I know. She's obsessed with the ratings, that's for sure. I mean, she booked the guy who killed Jeffrey Dahmer a few years ago in prison, if she could. Strange. W- w- would they let him use the phone at the prison well, to call pro- in? Probably. I don't know. Not. Who knows? If so, I guess he would have already been booked. So, Uncle Steve, hmm. can you just hold it down now? I have to introduce some more music, and then I have to interview our first guest. So I'll let you know when it's time for our musical guest, okay? Sounds good. Jerry, did you hear that? Yeah, but the band is the only reason people are listening to the show. They have to wait around? Uh, whatever. Yeah, that's correct. They do. So right now, here's a song by a band that's... Everyone knows how I feel about your uncle and his little companion. It's just not an appropriate thing to do. To carry around such an object, who knows what harm it's done to the children that he's made contact with. 
I don't think Jerry or my Uncle Steve are real crazy about kids. I doubt they ever willingly cross the path of anyone under the age of like 30 or so. Oh, he's right on that one, Gerald. Steve is not fond of children, and I know his friend Jerry feels the same way. We make it a point to never bring children to any of our family gatherings, you know, when those two attend. Well, that makes me feel better. There are enough sick things out there for children to see, like those those darn drag shows at the libraries. They have to be stamped out. Oh my god, yes. Those darn drag shows will be the end of civilization. Okay, before we run some of my interview with, with former SNL cast member and now author and actor Colin Quinn, I wanted to say something. You know, you know, having re-listened to this recently, it did prompt me to consider how much has changed since the conversation, this conversation occurred in June of 2015. Oh, you know, on, the sh- on that episode, we discussed the tendency of liberals being too PC and you know, are, are overly sensitive and conservatives being afraid of history and the truth. Yeah, you can guess which of us had each side of that. But anyway, so, we, you know... Yeah, both sides often do try to limit free speech, and to a degree, he was and is correct on that one. But this interview was before Donald Trump was elected president, and the power of Fox News and right-wing media really took off. Yeah, they, they were powerful opponents of the Obama administration, but after Trump was legitimized by taking office, that whataboutism just does not play well in today's world. Things kind of changed after Charlottesville and some other events, you know, when when Trump dropped that, uh, they were very fine people on both sides. Uh, I think everyone remembers that. I-, I wish I could continue this conversation that I had with Colin back then in the present day, as I would hope that he might not see things exactly the same way now. Yes, the political correctness of us liberals can be way over the top, uh, you know, and, but... You know, the far right's energy now is based on some real hateful and dangerous stuff. So it's like like comparing apples to flamethrowers. Yeah, I had to get that out. But anyway, uh, run it now, Dave. Please welcome back to the show actor, comedian, writer, Colin Quinn. Thanks for calling in tonight, man. Thanks. And, of course, you have a new book just out titled The Coloring Book, which we will get to in a second as it's, as it's sure. you know, creating quite a buzz. All right, Colin, last time uh, we did speak with you, you were touring with your award-winning off-Broadway show, Unconstitutional. But you're working on a new project now? Sure I am. It's sort of loosely based on the book, you know. It's a story of, it's the history of New York City. All right, all right. Um, I have a question, though, since you've worked, obviously, big theaters and also comedy clubs. What's the main difference between a theater audience and a comedy club audience, besides the two-drink minimum? A theater audience is nice and civilized and polite and listens, and a comedy audience is 90% nice and civilized and 10% animals. Ah. Yeah, I guess it's the animals that make it interesting, right? Okay, all right. No, we hate them. Oh, we, uh, we hate them, but they, if you're in the audience, it kind of makes it interesting. But yeah, you're right, from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah, they're the devil. It so. depends on how bad they are, yeah, yeah. But they can ruin all show. All right. Well, you play Amy Schumer's father in her new movie, Trainwreck. If you were her father in real life, would you tell her to tone down the risque language, or would you be the cool dad who would watch, like, Fifty Shades of Grey with her and the whole family? <laughs> Well, I don't feel like she's that risque anyway compared to comedy, you know, yeah, that's nowadays. True. That's true. I mean, if you watch her act, it's not that much graphic. It's not graphic. It's funny, 
I mean, there's a lot of sex humor, but it's not graphic. You know what I mean? That's what's interesting. Like, she's not a lot of cursing and stuff like that, you know? Well, it's not risque for me. I just thought there might be a couple, I don't know, people out there right. that might consider that. But uh, And maybe I should have yeah, picked... Yeah, but a- I mean, I know her father. I met her father. Right. Oh, okay, cool. Now, I probably should have also yeah. picked a better movie, maybe like Caligula or Pink Flamingos. But anyway, all right, moving on. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about your new book, The Coloring Book. It deals with a topic that uh, a large segment of this country would rather change the subject when it's brought up, race relations. Um, you know, is it me or is yeah. it there's a real fear for some when jumping into this discussion? But you've broken it down so one could read your book and then be able to like expound on it comfortably at a future cocktail party or something. Oh, really? Well, I hope you're right about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those subjects that's really, it's so stupid that it's off limits, you know what I mean? Because people act like they're talking about it, but they never talk about it. They talk about talking about it. Everybody's like, we need a dialogue, we need a dialogue. Then if you say something, it was like, whoa, whoa, now that's not part of the dialogue. That's not part of the national dialogue. So it's just the phoniness of it bugs me, you know? Right. Well, after, you know, I've... Uh, almost through it, and I know next Thanksgiving I have I know, have all the material I need to you know like start a dinner table discussion. Uh, me, you know. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, maybe fisticuffs will break out, but that's that's just part of the holiday experience. So, um, let's see. <laughs> well, could could you toss out a racial stereotype about us all that may be true? So you know, it should be taken off the you just didn't say that, did you? List. What do you mean, a racial stereotype about us all? Well, about who? About any, or any ethnic group that may be true, which, you know, I guess, in essence, there there are some, there's some facts behind some stereotypes, and I don't need to... Sure there are, yeah. So, can you give us one that maybe should be taken off that you didn't, well, you know, you maybe shouldn't have said that list? Well, I mean, the most obvious one is Asian uh, people having math skills, you know what I mean? Or like Asians, Indians, and Jews being good at business. You know what I mean? Like those are stereotypes based on, you know, reality. I mean, you know, it's not that they're genetically, maybe they're not genetically predisposed, but the cultures themselves are business-oriented more than other people, and no pun intended. Um, Like who does, who gets into the best colleges for the most part? It's Asians, Jews, Indians. They get into the best colleges. I mean, who works at Microsoft? You know, I'll keep it local for Seattle. I mean, you know, so it's like those are not those are positive qualities that you live in a culture where it's like, hey, listen, guys, you have to study hard, whatever. You know what I mean? But that, even saying that, right. when I say that, people like it sounds like it sounds like a Nazi talking. You know what I mean? Well, because you, I'm, the words I'm using right. make people feel like that sounds like Nazism because they're like, well, it's a slippery slope from saying that and then saying isolating these people. Yeah, everything's a slippery slope. Everything's a slope, you know what I mean? But for the sake of all, you know what I mean? That's not a, it's not a negative thing. But, you know, people say anytime you mention any, people want to get rid, they want to celebrate diversity by not pointing out anyone's difference. You know, that's basically what it comes down to, in my opinion. Everybody wants to... They want to eradicate racism by eradicate things that you see every day and just being like, well, that's not, no one's saying it's a genetic thing. No one's saying every member of that ethnic group, but there are, you know, things that happen which could be, you know, celebrated, but people feel like even celebrating it now is a, is a dangerous street, you know. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Well, was there an event or events in your life growing up in Brooklyn that sort of crystallized your take on race in America? Was there like an aha moment where you sort of whole, figured it out? 
Yeah, no, just my whole life. You were around people, and in those days, I guess it was because I was always a big mouth. And, um, and I was, uh, you know, so I would be joking around in school, and in those days, you know, I was, everybody would just say whatever they wanted about other ethnicities, if it was funny. I mean, obviously, if you were not funny and just being offensive, you could easily get, you know, knocked out, I guess. But, but if it was kind of true and funny, people would laugh, you know? Right. Um, you know, it seems to me, though, that there's a segment of the media that works really hard at telling white people that there is no divider and or obstacles for people of color since slavery. And that because it's been over what they say, like 150, 60 plus years, you know, that things are so peachy. So get over it, black people and don't kill our buzz. You know, in essence, the Fox News narrative. So, I mean, it, it, it's interesting how uh, the media tends to uh, sometimes exploit this thing for personal, you know, for for numbers or whatever ratings, whatever the case might be. Um, well, I mean, that's one side of it. The other side of it is the left-wing media, which is, uh, you know, keep saying that, like, you know, they're the ones that really have clamped down on any ethnic discussion in that a different is true. way. You know that, what is, I mean? that is true. Both sides, that is true. Both sides are at least equal as far as they both have decided there's a narrative and that's it. And like I say, both sides, with their already predis- they've already predetermined what the narrative is, so then why would you pretend you want to have a dialogue? Let's just say no more dialogue, we're shut down, and that's it. Let's just, let's just say that because both sides have already got their outcome. You know? No, that that is true. The, the lines are drawn, and you're right. The dialogue is is designed specifically for each target audience. That is very true. Yeah. So then nobody wants to have a dialogue. So let's just admit, okay, no dialogue. Yeah. This is one of those things that's not going to get any solved in any way. Maybe accidentally something will happen, but at least people admit, admit that. I'll be fine with it. Everybody goes, we don't want to have a discussion. Everybody doesn't want to have it. It's uncomfortable, and it's over, and that's it. And we believe what we believe. You believe what you believe. You know that that would be. That would be more honest, at least. You know, I don't believe that, but that would be honest if people said that, you know? Right. Well, do you think this book of yours will be in any public libraries, like in the states of, like, Texas, Idaho, or Kansas? I mean, because Huckleberry Finn got banned in some of those states. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't think... I mean, it's a comedy book. Ultimately, I'm trying to get laughs the whole time. So, you know, that's my goal. Right. My goal is to be... My goal is to say, hey, guess what? This is funny. You're going to laugh the whole time, you know? So if, uh, you know, if people don't like my comedy, then they should ban us. But if yeah. people don't like my, my searing insights, you know, that's, you know, I'm not claiming to be uh, the sociologist who solved race in this country, you know? Hey, you could be the this generation's Mark Twain with this book. Let's, let's see how this thing plays out. But you know, it wouldn't hurt. Listen, to, don't think I wouldn't love it. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. I take hope credit immediately. That's right. Uh, excuse me, just one second, Colin. Sure. What do you want? Well, I thought it would be neat if you asked him what his favorite guest host was while he was working on Saturday Night Live. I, I think people would be interested in knowing that. I asked all my Saturday Night Live questions the last time Colin was on the show. He has so many other things going on in his career now. I mean, would you want to be asked about a job you had years ago? No, your focus would be on what you're doing today. Well, that is a good point. My old job years ago before I got into sales at Seattle Carpet and Linoleum was as a manager at their Wiener Schnitzel in the mall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a management position, but yeah, I had to withstand a great deal of verbal jabs from friends and family members. It was not a happy experience. So let me stick to what he's doing these days, okay? Uh, right, got it. Ready? 
All right, sorry about that, Colin. Okay. Um, well, last question, Colin. As the thinking man's comedian, do you ever kick back and watch dumb stuff like the rest of us? I mean, you're really, really smart, and that must be draining. Maybe you should watch like a few hours of cat videos on Facebook to unwind when things get heavy. <laughs> well, cat videos are funny. I mean, I, I, cat videos are funny. I mean, I do like cat videos, I have to admit. You know, because they're funny. Well, yeah. Cats are, you know, Absolutely. So, I mean, I like those. But I mean, a lot of times people will sell me, send me videos that they think are funny, and I'll be like, "That's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's corny. It stinks." So I like I like cat videos, but you know, sometimes I watch things. And here's what really makes me crazy: whenever you watch like America's Funniest Home Videos, all these years it's been on, the videos are always funny, right? Most of them are funny. Some of them are cruel, but most of them are funny. But then, why do you have to put stupid sound effects? And voiceovers over it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's already funny. You ruin. They ruin it. They overproduce. That 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 has crossed my mind. They overproduce. Thank you for that. Yeah. Me too. It's just uh, so infuriating. Well, so that's what I hate the most. I know I'm a big fan of yours, and I just didn't want you to get burned out breaking down complicated stuff like you do for us all. Because we're in your debt. I mean, we're <laughs> well, all in thanks. your debt. Yeah, that's right. Um, I appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you again for coming back on the show. I want to remind everybody to go out and pick up a copy of The Coloring Book and prepare to laugh. Uh, so I hope we can talk Thanks. again. All right? I hope so. I um, would love to. Yeah, anytime. It's great. Right. Thanks. Uh, take it easy, Mr. Colin Quinn. The only place that really still is beautiful, clean air, fresh, beautiful mountain ranges, clean water, rivers, lakes, is Canada. And nobody wants to live there. But it's not me saying it just. Even when people sneak across the border through Canada into our country, Canada goes, we've got jobs here, social services, liberal immigration policy, health care. That's nice. I'm going to take my chance in that giant f***ing Ruby Tuesdays anyway. But... <laughs> it's just something about it. It's like the living room with the plastic on the furniture, you know? <laughs> now, come on, sit down. I gotta get going, I don't know. <laughs> but don't feel bad for Canada. Believe me, this is their strategy, is to be boring so nobody goes up so they can stay looking nice and nobody wrecks it. It's obviously, they're not trying to welcome people. Have you ever seen the flag? It's a leaf. <laughs> they're not even trying. <laughs> even the national anthem is kind of trying to get you to dismiss them a little. It's like, oh, Canada. <laughs> You know, I think Colin and I might have a lot in common. I mean, I don't know for sure if he also proudly wears a MAGA hat, but he sure seems to be on our team. Yeah, I hope not. Maybe he's reconsidered a few things since 2015. You know, not what is and is not funny, but that both sides do, you know, um, that, that thing, you know, both sides do it. That just bugs the crap out of me now hearing that because it's just not the truth. One side, the MAGA side, so popular on right-wing media, has taken things to a new level and an alternate universe where up is down and coups are now just innocent fun. Well, I have to say I'm a fan of Colin, but I too hope he has maybe rethought the political dynamic that's tearing our country apart. I find politics boring, so can we change the subject now? Chance, I hope you don't become brainwashed by your soon-to-be bride and, and take up the liberal mindset. That would be very upsetting to me. Uh, Mrs. Jarvitz, please 
don't indoctrinate Chance. He is young and impressionable. Well, I would never marry a right-wing nut job myself, but Chance has a mind of his own. All right, well, let's move on to the interview I did with our musical guest, 13 Scars. You know, that band, you know, Jerry pushed so hard to be on the show, and uh, they were pretty darn good. Uh, Roll the interview. All right, musical guest interview time. Please welcome tonight's musical guest, guest, uh, 13 Scars. Hey, now that I know that you're personal friends of my uh, uncle's little buddy, Jerry, I guess I should have hit him up for a few suggestions on what to ask you guys. The the name 13 Scars, is is that an accurate count with the band? I I have to trust you as I can't personally verify it myself without a full body scan. We had our old bass player count him up one time and it was a little over 13, if you count the one across his neck there, so... Oh. Good call, yo. A neck. You should get like bonus points for a neck one. All oh, right. Yes. Um, as 13 Scars is a real punk rock band, that means like you're under certain unspoken regulations within the genre, like you can't play a sappy love ballad, right? Because that's one more reason why I'm still somewhat fond of punk rock after all these years. The only re- the only thing I'm supposed to do is not wear my own t-shirt or not say anything bad about like anybody that like doesn't like bad stuff so- said about them. That- they don't want that. All right. Super. Um, remember that. Write that down. Gerald. Do your job. Write that down. I got it. There's punk rock rules. There's a book about that. All right, super. Uh, Hey, when the band tours, do you guys set a mileage limit before you all agree to, like, stop and pee? Because I've heard that that's an area of friction with some bands. You know, maybe one guy has a weak bladder and needs to stop every 20 minutes, and it can cause havoc. Oh, no, no, no. We use, like, old milk jugs and old water jugs and stuff like that, and we also had, like, a funnel one time and a hole in the van in the bottom of it, and we just used that right straight out into the street. Uh, Now, pooping pooping is a different story. Yeah, you got to hold that. All right, super. If it's brown, flush it down. Something like that. I don't know. Um, Well, does the band have a favorite? GOP presidential candidate because you have more than a few options. Me, I'm kind of going with George Pataki uh, just because I like saying his name, Pataki. Oh, we're anarchists and we don't believe in any form of government whatsoever, any kind, no kind. They're all sucked. They can get rid of him. In 1840, Pierre Joseph Proudin adopted the term anarchy in his treatise What is Property to refer to a new political philosophy, anarchism, which advocates stateless societies based on voluntary associations. Okay, super. Please. All right. Um, so what's the name of the first song you guys are going to do? It's called Sweet Nothing. All right, let's do it. And if I whisper your name, you be miserable. If I whisper secrets you just tell You can fly around the world with him Laughing all the way See me in hell Could I broke my fall? Goodbye, the f***ing world for you Not to save the day Give me hell, I'm the one who pays When you go in at me, it's predictable Every word of bullet to my head Make the world your ball game Give me hell, I'm the one to pay It ain't a crown of thorns I 
know you and not to say the I'm dead, yeah. See you in hell, I'm the one. This is the Spud Goodman Show. You know, we should have booked those guys again. Uh, I, I hate to admit it that, you know, Jerry was right. They, they were good. I know you enjoy that punk rock music, but thank God I asked them to perform at a lower volume. I think they could have done permanent damage to our ears. Oh, you are such a pussy, Gerald. Well... Okay, we're going to play something from a caller, I guess. Uh, he, he was kind of sympathetic towards my uncle, you know, and his companion, Jerry. Uh, Dave, go ahead and roll it. Caller, you there? Yeah, you spud? Uh, yes. Uh, I thought I'd call in and say, you might want to take it easy on your uncle there. Feeling the need to carry around an inanimate object as a comfort aid in life is not something to be so judgmental about. Well, caller, can I ask if you have a relative who's brought great scrutiny to your family whenever you all gather in public? I mean, my uncle and his dummy have pretty much been in my shadow my entire time doing this show over the years. It's many years. At first, I tried to be supportive when I was younger, but now that dummy just pisses me off every time I see him. Uh, Spud, I think what the caller's trying to say here is the correct response to those who have issues like your Uncle Steve's is to hey, try... Hey, hey, hello. I I'm sitting right here, and both Jerry and I don't appreciate being referred to as special needs people. Look, I, I didn't call you that. I just said the dummy has gotten old for most of us in the family. You know, I, I know our listeners tuned in right now, you know, maybe except for this dude, uh, you know, are weirded out trying to picture a grown man with a ventriloquist dummy on his lap, and you're not a ventriloquist. You're not a freaking ventriloquist. That's like a guy carrying around a saddle and a bridle, but has no horse. Hey, listen, my cousin's had a sock puppet on his hand the last 15 years or so. He never takes it off, even in the shower. It took us a while to accept it as part of who he is, but, you know, once we did, all of us in the family sort of bonded with the puppet, except for my brother's kid, Seth. He's a frat boy in his junior year of college, and he's pretty obnoxious to him, but, yeah. you know, the rest of us accepted the whole thing. I mean, it was that or continue to try to shame him and take it off. Well, you know, I know that angle never works, that's for sure. It's been hey, tried. Hey, Jerry would like to say something, if you don't mind. Well, I do mind, okay? So, caller, what does your cousin do for a living? You know, the, the puppet must keep him living in the basement, or at least. Or what, what? No, 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 no. My cousin's an attorney. He's an elder law, so he's not in court that often. You know, society's changing with service animals so prevalent now. He really doesn't take much abuse from others, with, you know, with the exception of my brother's uh, kid, Seth. Well, does he ever wash the sock puppet? It must really reek after 15 years. Hey, Spud, that's kind of a personal hygiene issue that would probably be better left unsaid. No, no, he never puts it in the washing machine, if that's what you mean. I think he does occasionally spray it with Febreze, like before family gatherings. And it's kind of just out of respect for us, you know, especially in the summer. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, Jerry, just a moment. Just, wait a minute, Jerry. I said I would ask him. Hey, caller. Does your cousin Sock Puppet ever want to kick that little frat boy asshole in the nuts? Uh, yeah, I'm sure most of us would love to take out that little jerk, but, you know, he's family. Okay, caller, thanks for the insight into this. You know, maybe I'm not the only one who has to bear this cross in life, you know, because misery loves company. So, actually, I do appreciate you calling in, so thank you. Tell your cousin to send us a friend request on Facebook. I don't have my own page, but 
Jerry lets me log in on his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll pass that on to him. Hey, I got to bounce. Thanks. All right, all right. If I could be the dummy on your knee, you'd have to learn to hold me awfully close to you. The things you do, I do them too. If I could be the dummy on your knee. So, Spud, we're getting a bit behind here time-wise, so we kind of need to keep yeah, things okay, okay, moving. But say, say, Uncle Steve, can you and your little buddy just stay seated and not roam around the studio when we're on the air? It's very distracting to me. Okay, uh, well, Jerry's just a curious type and likes to look around the place. You know he is fascinated by the radio business. He still has that dream that someday he will have his own show. Oh, you know, he and I do have something in common after all. <laughs> As I've told you, that would be rather problematic for that ever to happen. Gimmicks and showbiz can only carry you so far. I will refer you to Willie and Lester. When was the last time you've seen or heard from them? I rest my case. Oh, there you go again with that ventriloquist thing. Jerry? No, no, Jerry, that would not be appropriate to say that to Spud live on the air. There are seven or maybe ten words that cannot be uttered on the air, and that has to be one of them. Yes, I would appreciate it personally if restraint be exercised in regard to profanity. My wife is listening right now, and I do not look forward to hearing her voice or displeasure about being offended. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's the last thing I'm concerned with right now, okay? So would someone please get me a fresh bottle of Pepto, though? That is, that's that's on my to-do list right now. I need one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's pretty much all backwash. Yes, but I, I put, hang on a second. I'm, uh, I'm what, on it. What, I've got what, a couple in the uh, what, fridge. Hang on just uh, a second what, 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 Jerry, that, that is not nice. But look at him. He's such a kiss-ass. If you ever asked me to fetch you a beer or a warm towel, I would tell him to off. Good call, yo. Oh, there you go again, using that word again. All right, okay. Not cool, Jerry. Hey, 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 okay, here here you go, Spud. I think you're going to be okay with the temperature. It's not too cold, but chilled just enough to give the Pepto the right bouquet. Let me let me check it. Um, ooh, yes, yeah, sweet. See? You know, room temperature Pepto is okay, but this is way better. I have to say it was a great idea for, you know, for you to toss them in the fridge. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy it that way. So... Spud, I was wondering if maybe I could suggest a band to appear on this show. I know that this is not really the time, but there's some friends of mine that would love to play live on the air. Look, look, this is what I was afraid of. We break the rule regarding booking friends' bands on the show, and then it gets out of control fast. Next thing you know, our intern Trent over there will be demanding his cousin Stick's tribute band be booked, and the floodgates are now open. Uh, They're a really good band, though, Spud. They, They pack them in at the clubs. You know... Even go out at night to clubs to hear bands. You go, you're in bed by like 10 on the weekends. Well, I agree, but I've heard they're really popular. Uh, well, listen, we can talk about it after the show, I guess. Hey, Jerry want to talk to you about having 13 scars back on the show again, as it went so well with the first song. Yeah, well, I'd rather not commit to, to booking a band before they finish the show. I can't rebook them now. You never know. I mean, what could happen? They, they might break up before the show's over. Bands break up all the time. These guys are tighter than a pair of skinny leg jeans on Chris Christie. They are bros for life, man. You can't prevent everything. Okay, well, right now we need to see if our next guest is on the line. So please pipe down as I have a job to do here. Oh, oh, oh it's going to be like that, huh? Simmer down, Jerry. He didn't say no. <laughs> All right. Well, Spud, I've been told our next guest. You know, that caller back then did have an impact on how I later saw my Uncle Steve and, and his friend, uh, Jerry. He made me rethink some things. I mean, family does come first. And live and let live has always been my approach to life. 
And I also should give you some props, Gerald, for suggesting, you know, to refrigerate my daily supply of Pepto-Bismol. Uh, and chilling it, it just gives it a very distinct bouquet. Oh, yeah. I'm very surprised you haven't had to have a couple of your organs replaced over the years with that addiction to Pepto-Bismol. Your insides must be really trashed. A chance at my last colonoscopy, my doctor said I had the best-looking colon he had seen in years. So you're wrong with that? Well, you're wrong, man. I mean, you should try a bottle or two of Pepto for a few days. It would put a little hair on your various body parts. Oh, that's not a good idea, Spud. Chance does not need body hair, and you know my position on your Pepto-Bismol habit over the years. It is just flat-out disturbing. I blame your late father for you getting into it in your teenage years. I probably would have developed a taste for it regardless. But yeah, I mean, my dad did always have a few bottles of it around the house to deal with hangovers and stuff. So I did sample his supply a bit in junior high. And it just became a part of my life. You know, what can I say? But anyway, right now, let's run the interview I did with actress and then SNL cast member Vanessa Bayer. I, I know for sure I got on her nerves, you know, during our conversation, but she was so nice to me anyway. Uh, Dave, roll it. Please welcome actress and comedian, and I guess current cast member of Saturday Night Live also, Vanessa Bayer. H- how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. You know, uh, I just got off the phone with uh, Colin Quinn. Small world, huh? Uh, he's doing well if you haven't seen him lately. I just yeah. Just that in. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the new film, Trainwreck, with, with Amy Schumer, Bill Hader, Colin Quinn, yourself, and just about every other living or otherwise actor in the entertainment industry, with the exception maybe of Suzanne Somers or Alan Thicke, because I didn't see their names in the credits, but a lot of people, huh? Yeah, a lot of amazing people in this film. Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, it, it's got to be the biggest cast I've seen since a non, you know, for a non-biblical epic. I mean, I, I don't know how many, but I, I lost count. It was like triple figures. Um, did you guys wear name tags on the set or something? Or <laughs> we didn't, but um, uh, you know, I I was a fan serve of everybody, so I I was pretty good with learning the names. But um, I, I you know, uh, there were just um. um an amazing number of, of people on it and um you know i'm from cleveland so lebron was was in the movie too and and so you know i'm just a huge super fan of, of so many of the people in the film oh vanessa excuse me for one second vanessa okay you know vanessa is so talented the wife and i tape saturday night live each week and then we watch it on sunday afternoons that's what you wanted to tell me you interrupted to say that well we enjoy her on the show so i thought maybe look you thought and no one tapes programs on the VCR these days. Can you even buy those tapes anymore? Oh, about 10 years ago, I bought 10 cases of them from Costco. I thought that someday when I retired, I might want to sit down and watch five or six seasons of all my children, you know, record them at LP so then I could cram a ton of shows on each tape. But when we went off the air in 2011, I sort of lost interest. I think I maybe have four cases left. Does the word DVR mean anything to you? It's the newest fad, and it could catch on. Well, I know there are a lot of other products out there, but we just love our VCR. It still runs like a top. Okay, how's the dial-up AOL connection these days? It must be tough with a party line. Most of the time, it's fine. And no, we haven't had a party line for many years, Spud. (laughs) You're showing your age with that line. Uh, just sit there and maybe count to, like, 9,000 or something. I got to get back to Vanessa. All right, I apologize for that. Uh, okay. Um, 
Vanessa, your film career is now starting to take off. Um, you have other projects in the pipeline as we speak. So the question I'm sure you're bugged with all the time is, uh, are you leaving Saturday Night Live anytime soon to become a major motion picture star? Um, I, I don't think so, but but I um, I hope to do you know I hope to do more films and stuff and um, right. you know the, the nice thing about being on SNL is that we have the summer off so we can sort of work on other things uh, over the summer and stuff. Um, but but you know doing this film particularly was just so much fun and uh, you know we got to hang out with these amazing people and improvise a lot and stuff. So um, I, I I hope that I get to do more films that are like this. All right. Well, I read where you were, uh, well, actually where you interned on Sesame Street while in college. Off the record, behind the scenes, was it really like a wild and rowdy set? Sesame Street? Yeah, off the record. Yeah, you know, well, I will say, this is sort of a bummer, you know, they're... They they they're uh, they don't produce shows over the summer either. So I was there over the summer, so I wasn't there while they were filming at all. But um, but I got to I was in the office more, working on sort of more um, more of the like editing kind of you know helping out with that kind of stuff. So right. um, I I I don't know if it's a rowdy crazy set, but I did get to visit the set one day. And it was so insane to be there. It's just like an emotional thing to get to see at Sesame Street. It's like crazy, even if none of the none of the puppets are there or anything. So, the, but did, during when they're in production, could the staff take a, like home Kermit or the Count to play with? Because that'd be a nice perk. No, or were they kind of like kept under lock and key? Spud, how would you feel if you were interviewed by you? Would you agree to come on this show? I'm just curious. You're going to interrupt my interview here with that stupid question? Well, I just thought maybe this was a good time to step in. You know, give this interview a change of pace so our listeners don't nod off. Um, no offense, Spud, but you really need to be more dynamic with your guests. I'm pretty sure they would greatly appreciate it. I do not bore my guests. <laughs> Most of them are enthralled with my questions. Or, or if not enthralled, at least enthusiastically engaged. It, yeah. I, I'm not picking that up myself, but oh, okay, I'll, I'll butt out here. Yes, you will butt out. Thank you. All right, well, let me give you another uh, This Is Your Life thing. Uh, you were later in, in a Second City musical production, Jusical. Were, were there a lot of klezmer solos in between set changes? Is this, is this, where, you de- <laughs> is this where you developed the character Jacob the Bar Mitzvah boy, which is a killer, killer piece? Oh, thanks so much. Jacob is more from my childhood and, uh, you know, going to Bar Mitzvahs every... Uh, weekend in seventh grade, and a lot of people who know my brother think it's based on him because a lot of the gestures, I guess, are similar to my brother Jonah's gestures. But um, doing musical the musical, that was very that it's, it was at Second City Detroit, and it was um, it was there was I believe there was a little bit of klezmer in there, but it was um, just a lot of sketches and songs and stuff based on uh, Jewish culture and. Um, I learned more Yiddish that summer than you know I've I've ever learned before in my life. I feel like I'm second to my grandmother's. I I know the most Yiddish in my family now. Wow, my, my mom would have loved to have seen that production, but all right. Um, okay, so let me let me hit you with this. You play so many characters on Saturday Night Live, all all exceptionally well. Your Miley Cyrus is dead on for sure, and you did a dueling Miley sketch when she guest hosted. Did she offer any constructive criticism afterwards, like maybe less clothing or anything at all? She <laughs> actually it was almost the opposite of that. We had to say something in unison and she was like ask me how I do it because she was like how how do you do how would you say this word because she was trying to you know because obviously I'm doing like an exaggerated version uh, of her so 
she was she was asked me for like some guidance on how to do an impression of her. Oh. But she was great. I mean, she's always so great about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get back to the movie Trainwreck, okay? Um, what's your take on the driving theme of the picture, monogamy? Is it a relic of prior civilizations, or is it still the best way to prevent yourself from, you know, looking lonely or and out of place at weddings and funerals? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't know that I'm the person to answer that the best, but but um, I think that the, the movie sort of plays around with, like, different themes of, Monogamy and 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 you know right. non-monogamy. So um, yeah, I think you could get a lot of answers to that. Which you know, so it's hard for me to commit to one answer. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that an- that question out myself, and uh, it's been many years that I've been dealing with it. But uh, that's another topic. I'll move on here. Um, when Saturday Night Live uh, <laughs> does you know like its 75th year reunion show in 2050, will you plan to be there, or, or will it be kind of like the high school reunion thing where it might be just too darn stressful worrying about what you should wear and stuff like that, so you just skip it? Well, you know, I think I think I would I would want to be there just because um, you know it was so fun getting to see everyone at the 40th. But um, hopefully by that point I'd have like um, like a stylist who maybe would like you know figure yeah. out my outfit for me, uh, yeah. and then I wouldn't you know think about it that much. <laughs> there you go. That would that'd be a, that'd take care of that stress. I like that idea. Okay, last question. Um, yeah. Vanessa, what's been your most memorable moment as a member of the human race to this point? Can you pick out just something in your life that just jumps out at you? Oh, my gosh. In general? Yeah, anything. I know it's trite uh, and cliche, you know, but that's what I do. Well, I, I do. I, it was very exciting. I, I, this is, there's been more, I guess, you know, there's been a few, but I would say getting hired for, for SNL was very exciting for me. I had just taken a, a yoga class, and I was really calm, and then I got this call that I was hired, and I immediately came out of my Zen state and just went into, like, a full-blown excited panic. That would have been, uh, yeah, that was obviously is a career and life changer. So, yeah, I bet that would have, that would have been fun. All right. Um, well, <laughs> is there anything at all you want to say to our listeners in terms of uh, the film? Because uh, I, obviously the buzz is, is just overwhelming. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah, I just would say it's, it's just a wonderful film. It's so funny. And uh, it's just, I think it, it's just going to be great. And there's so many funny people in it. And uh, and just to definitely check it out. All right. Well, everyone can catch Vanessa in the Universal Pictures film Trainwreck playing just about everywhere. And also this fall on Saturday Night Live. I want to thank you so much for calling in tonight. It wasn't that painful, was it? No, this was great. Thank you. All right. Vanessa Bayer. You know, Spud, it was a bit inappropriate to have asked Vanessa her take on monogamy. You don't know if she's had a tough experience with a boyfriend or a fiancé straying. It it was just too personal to go there. Yeah, you know, maybe so. Uh, that one got deflected right away, though. I mean, uh, I, mean, I could have done five or ten minutes on that topic myself, yeah. but who wants to hear the opinion yeah. of a several-time loser in marriage, yeah. you know? Uh, the monogamy was never an issue in any of my relationships, at least on my end. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would never have the energy to cheat on someone. It's just way too stressful and draining. Dorothy and I have had a discussion on the pros and cons of having an open marriage after our wedding it's still under discussion but i sure hope it's a no from her oh sweetie 
no need to bring this up on the podcast. As I told you, I don't foresee this being something I would ever pursue myself. Foresee? That still makes me a little nervous. If I'm not (laughs) enough for you, then, well, it would really bum me out. I would never leave you or anything. I mean, once I move my bunk bed and stuff to your house, I don't plan on ever moving again. I really hate moving. Oh, no worries, babe. And we can talk further about this tonight. Yeah, and this is way too much information for me. Let's just move on uh, to some of our segment with the show's resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. On this one, I I think he talked a lot about his prior life in Germany during World War II and my involvement in the Civil War. Here he is. All right, it's time for Out of This World with Ted Marr. I'm really, really uh, enjoying this segment a lot. Are you you with us, Ted? Yes, I sure am. Thanks. Thanks. Super. Um, So this week I wanted to touch on something I read about you and your past lives, if that's okay. Uh, One Ted Marr was born in Germany in 1929 and later got sucked into joining the Hitler Youth. That must not have been a lot of fun, as maybe I was the most evil youth group in the history of man. Did you ever try to quit or something? Um, that's a subject I don't, actually don't like to talk about because it's it's an awful part of of, uh, the, of my history. But I, I will talk about it now. It's it's kind of like a water under the bridge. What I needed to learn uh, in that lifetime, I was taught not to question authority and to follow obey all orders given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I was. Um, hit by Allied bombing in 1944 in Berlin. I died in 1946 as a result of those injuries. And um, uh, I didn't commit any atrocities, but during that lifetime, I learned that um, one of the worst things you can do in life is to simply only obey um, um, authority um, when you know those things are wrong. And so in this lifetime, I, I've been very, um, I question everything, and I try to learn as much as possible. And so... Um, Could you have maybe picked a lighter topic for this week's Out of This World segment? This is pretty depressing stuff. I know. I just read an article in the paper about Ted having a prior life in Germany during World War II. And as a journalist, I needed to at least deal with it. Sure, it would be better for the interview if in a prior life during that period, he was maybe an extra in It's a Wonderful Life, or maybe played in the same outfield as Joe DiMaggio with the Yankees. Instead, of being in the Hitler Youth Army, but what can I do about it? Just let me get back to the thing, and, and maybe the story will get a little less bleak. Gee, I hope so. I gotta yeah, ask you this. No, knowing what you know now, though, would you, you know, do you wish maybe that you could have maybe tried to lead a coup or something with the other teenagers in that youth army? Well, the, 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 the thought, of course, um, would be to, during that time, would be to try to eliminate uh, Adolf Hitler. Right. And there was actually a, a very interesting Twilight Zone episode many years ago where a gentleman goes back in time and he tries to shoot Adolf Hitler and he's prevented. Um, but then um, it, it brings up all kinds of in- interesting questions like, was it our destiny to have like the second, what Nostradamus called the second Antichrist? Uh, we, did we need a person like Hitler to, to purge humanity? I don't know. I One not. of the things... One of the things that people don't realize, and this is something that's pretty profound, is that the reptilians used Adolf Hitler. He was one of their guys that they controlled, and they had him, they influenced him to eliminate six million, six million Jews in Europe. Mm. 
And that really affects me because um, some of my relatives were eliminated in Germany. My uh, great aunt Anya was eliminated in, she was sent to the Warsaw Ghetto. So I have absolutely no love for the Nazis and for what they did to to many innocent people in, in Europe. Um, it's a time in human history that um, I think a lot of people would like to forget about. But the lesson here is that we must never allow evil to take, um, to take over humanity. Absolutely. That's kind of what I was getting uh-huh. at. And we can't ever forget. So, uh, yeah, no. I, I know, you know, in a prior life, if I was around in the Civil War, I would have told those guys in the gray uniforms that seceding, that that whole idea was really a bad one. And, you know, that's just that's my take on that. So probably you best were to- You were in the... You were in the Civil War, Spud, and oh. you did fight against the Confederacy. Oh. Um, and you did fi- face a lot of Civil War battles. I just got that message now. Dang. Super. I, I, we got to talk more about that maybe off the air. All right. Wanna, I want to thank you so much once again for calling in and shedding light on world history for our listeners. Out of this world with Mr. Ted Marr. You know, it was a great relief to know that in one of my prior lives, I was on the right side of the Civil War. How sad would it be if I was in the Confederate Army? Basically a bunch of early-day neo-Nazis. Well, I think the woke media has, over the years, painted the Civil War in somewhat an unfair fashion. What? It was a simple disagreement over a few issues that couldn't be resolved. It was very sad. Well, I think the South still has not come to grips with the fact that they lost. Some still cling to the hope that they, or red states, will rise again. Well, the economic engine of this country is powered by the red states, you know. Those, those blue, well, it's true. Those blue freeloading states, they're a real drain on our economy. Uh, dude, that's fake news. Uh, it's all fake news. Outside of maybe Texas and Florida, red states suck up way more in government support than they provide in tax revenue. I mean, they're takers, not makers. Uh, the blue states paying way more in tax revenue to the government than them. Uh, just Google it. Like I said before, politics give me a headache, so can we move on here? All right, all right. Uh, Let's move on to the conclusion of this episode. If I remember correctly, Jerry became a bit unruly in the studio as my Uncle Steve could not keep him under control. I I was mortified at his behavior and language. Hopefully, no children were listening to that episode. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, Dave, roll it. You know, one thing I'm going to take away from tonight is the need to implement a new rule prohibiting dummies from being in the studio when I'm working. Now, this is not meant to be personal, Uncle Steve. I mean, you're always welcome, but not if you bring your dummy with you, as he creates all this drama around him, and it's very distracting. You know, if that was possible, I would gladly do it. But Jerry here has a mind of his own. It's no secret others have also voiced their displeasure about his behavior. But what can I do? Leave him at home? Oh, only if it were that simple. Well, if I could add a suggestion here, maybe your Uncle Steve might learn to express himself without a surrogate voice voice like Jerry. Obviously, there are some deep-seated issues here that need therapeutic intervention. My wife knows some pretty good therapists that might be able to help. In his over-eagerness to make himself an important part of the show, Gerald occasionally becomes an irritant to others. I just feel that there's a, something but, that can be... But who is this a- hat again? Oh. And here is a perfect example of that. Who well, does he think Gerald, he is? I'm have to hold, I have to hold Jerry back here from just d- slapping him until he shuts the hell up. What? What's that, Jerry? 
Well, maybe he does deserve that, but not while we are on the air. Spud is about to close the show. Afterwards, you can deal with him. Uh, um, Gerald, you, you might be trying to help now, but inciting the dummy is not a good idea. Trust no. me on that one. You know, all, all I was suggesting was that there are professionals that could possibly assist in dealing with this rather than uh, kind of an odd predilection. If untreated, who knows how it could manifest itself later. Hey, dude, my Uncle Steve has been carrying around that dummy for what? I don't know, maybe 30-some years. Really? He's, he's for sure going to be buried with the dummy. Uncle Steve, I'm just asking you, you know, if the little fella could be left in the drawer or closet at home if you come down to the studio to visit me. Well, it's not like I wouldn't enjoy a break from, you know, time to time, but... Now, don't get all persnickety, Jerry. Nothing personal, but too much time together is not a good thing. Not just us, but in a marriage or, or even a friendship, too. Uh, though my wife and I could spend every waking moment together, there is some Please. truth to that sentiment. I, I know my brother and his wife just split up after they decided to quit their jobs and travel the country in an RV. They lasted to North Dakota, roughly, and then they decided to call it quits. Hey, Uncle Steve, if it will help... Um, tell your little buddy he can come by the studio, but some other time when I am not on the air. How about that? Uh, what, what's that, Jerry? What You ask him, Jerry. Spud, Jerry has something to ask Okay, you. whatever. So here's the deal. I will promise to stay away from the studio if you will make 13 Scars the house band for this show. You know, do the theme song, play in and out of the breaks, and maybe do a couple of songs each show. These guys could actually make this show popular. What do you say? Well, we have a show orchestra, Accordion Joe. I mean, sure, he's on tape now, but I couldn't just dump him. He's been with me for over 25 years. Yeah. So you would choose to go with a lame Elvis impersonating accordion player, senior citizen over a kick punk rock band like 13 Scars? Are you mental or what? Jerry, no name calling. Okay, okay, you made your point. Now, whoop, look, 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 just, yeah. just okay, I, 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 I think it goes without it. saying this kind of proposition is something that we have to be, it has to be determined here. by our executive producer, Lori Madsen. Am I right yeah, about that, Yes, Spud? you are. Okay, See? so if I, if I might, could I, could I please close the show now? Is I that think too much that would be prudent. I think it would be a prudent course of action is because we're just about out of time. Yeah, so thank everyone who took the time to listen to the show. I would like to... 13 scars rule. Yeah, right. I'm Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, here are 13 scars. One, two, three, four. Well, you're fighting everywhere. I've destroyed my enemies. I've destroyed my friends. And if I need an answer, why get it from within? I get it from within. I Get it from within. I'm get it from within. I'm get it from within. I'm get it from within. I get from I get it from I get it from within. You know, just hearing that band again has brought back some unpleasant memories. Why are they so angry? Life has a tendency to do that to some people. I mean, I can relate. But anyway, those tempting to consider replacing Accordion Joe as our show's orchestra, I, I could never 
I could never have done that. Uh, you know, the, the blowback from him would have been enormous. Uh, you know, with his temper, who knows what he might have done. He is a very volatile person. You probably made the right call, even though accordion music drives people away in droves. I'm sure that's been a factor in why you've had such crappy ratings over the years on TV and radio. Oh, I, I don't think it's fair to lay the blame of Spud's failed career on Joe. I myself enjoy a little accordion music. Well, I did say a little. Well, it's a bit late to revisit that one these days. Uh, uh, anyway, I guess this is a good time to end this podcast episode. <clears throat> I am Spud Goodman. Yes, I am. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Hey, Dorothy. Can we stop on the way home and get a Slurpee? I feel like I want to try mixing root beer, mango, lemonade, pina colada, Mountain Dew, and blue raspberry flavors. I think it would taste awesome. Oh, sure. But I'll stick with just Peach Perfect myself. You can't beat that flavor. You know, a Slurpee does sound kind of tasty right now. I might just join you two. Yeah, on second thought, I'm not feeling it anymore. We can get Slurpees another time. Right, Dorothy? Mm -hmm, hum, hum, yes. Well, I suppose another time might work better. Oh, yo, oh, well, okay. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'll stop somewhere by myself and, and get one. If you two change your mind, let me know uh, when you get to your car. Uh, that won't happen. See you later, Gerald. So, let's go, Dorothy. Oh, okay, okay. Goodbye, Gerald. Uh, Dave? Uh, Dave, can you hear me in the control room? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to stop with me at a, at a nearby 7-Eleven? Uh, yeah, I'd really like to, but I have a family intervention to attend. Uh, it's like a second cousin, but I really should be there, sorry. Sure, uh, no, no problem. I, I wish you're cousin well then i guess maybe another time you've been listening to the spud goodman radio show a portentous harbinger of what the internet of things has in store for us all the show is written and directed by spud goodman produced by david brenneman of rosedale audio productions original music by michael spots and tom Harmon. the executive producer is laurie madsen video director is tj pites our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Thirteen scars rule. Jerry, you made your point. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.